0: Hello and welcome to Euangelion, Interpreting Christian Scripture and Interpreting Life, the podcast devoted to the interpretation of the biblical text and its application to modern-day living. My name is Dr. Andrew Bwarchi, and I'm a lecturer in Religions and Theology at the University of Manchester. Uh, My specialist area is New Testament Studies, and I've spent most of my um, professional life interpreting the work of the Apostle Paul, but I'm very much interested in the origins of ancient Christianity uh, and in Jewish texts across the board. And the purpose of this podcast really is to think through uh, the biblical text and to ask the question, which I'm sure many people ask all the time, uh, what does it mean uh, to apply these texts? And that's, Uh, A fairly sort of bold claim apply these texts, Uh, and it's a particularly bold claim, uh, I think, when we're thinking of texts like the Pauline epistles. Uh, The apostle Paul uh, wrote to deal with problems in churches which he had some connection with. Uh, He didn't write so that later generations of readers could pore over his texts and think about what they mean for their lives some 2,000 years later in a completely different cultural context. And yet there is so much that we as modern believing people can gain from uh, immersing ourselves in these powerful and punchy little texts. And so for the next few weeks, uh, I'm going to be sharing from the book of Galatians, which is uh, the letter that I wrote my doctoral thesis on. It's a letter that I'm absolutely fascinated with. And it's one that very much immerses us into the heart of Pauline theology. Now, in this podcast, I want to make as few assumptions as possible about your acquaintance with the biblical text. Uh, It doesn't bother me, particularly if you are a religious person or not. Uh, I don't mind what you believe about the world, about religion, about the Bible, uh, or even particularly about me. (laughs) Um, What matters uh, is that you are interested in spiritual things. Um, I think this podcast will probably be most meaningful to Uh, people who have some faith, um, but I also want it to be useful to people who are questioning faith. Uh, Questioning is something that I always encourage in the journey of faith. So, why Galatians? Well, as I say, Galatians is the letter, I think more than any, that takes us very much into the heart of the Pauline Enterprise. By the Pauline Enterprise, I mean the task with which he believed he had been Uh, set by the God of Israel. And that task was to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus of Nazareth to the non-Jewish world. No mean feat for someone like Paul, a self-professed Pharisee, one of the strictest Jewish sects about which we have any information at all. So each session, I'll read a short section of Galatians 1. I'll I'll use the New American Standard Bible um, for reasons I won't go into now, except to say that it's a well-respected translation. It's fairly literal, um, and yet um, it's not so wooden that it's difficult to understand. Um, Here and there, I will intersperse the translation with translations of my own directly from the uh, original Greek text. Sometimes I think certain nuances get missed in English, but My purposes are to try to open up this text, to try to help you to understand uh, the narrative behind the letter, the stories that Paul draws upon his um, Hebrew Bible background, his background in Greek philosophy, and his um, background living as um, someone uh, in the imperial context of ancient Rome, the dominant power of Paul's day. So let's jump straight in. Galatians chapter one. In the New American Standard Bible reads as follows, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's Galatians 1, 1 through 5. Now, any of you who know anything about ancient letter writing, there are certain conventions that letter writers normally follow. Uh, They'll announce their name, the uh, recipients of the letter. There'll be some kind of a thanksgiving, a grace, a well-wish. Then you get the body of the letter and then some closing statements. And Indeed, Paul's letters normally begin like that. In fact, let me just read you, say, the introduction to uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. So he starts with the names of the senders, then to the recipients, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus then you get the grace in verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Then the thanksgiving, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. Then you get the body of the letter. Well part of the reason I say that is that Galatians actually breaks the trend. Galatians doesn't begin with all those conventions, he does name himself, he introduces himself as Paul. Um But then he goes straight into what seems like a very defensive stance. He starts talking about the fact he is an apostle, which is a word which in Greek means someone who has been sent. Uh, And yet he then stresses the fact that he wasn't sent by any group of men, presumably some uh, Christian community, nor was he sent by any particular individual, perhaps one of the early Christian leaders like Peter or James but rather he was sent through Jesus Christ. He goes on to elaborate this a little later in chapter 1. We'll look at that in weeks to come. And God the Father. He was sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, he wasn't sent twice. Presumably Paul wants some connection to be made here. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The importance of that is Hard to overestimate in a letter like this. And again, that God is identified as the one who raised Jesus from the dead becomes critically important for the letter as we go through. And he says he writes to the churches of Galatia. Now, without wanting to go into too much of the detail here, there is uh, some scholarly debate about exactly what Galatia refers to here. Uh, And there are some who think Paul is writing to ethnic Gauls, that is people actually from the area of southern France. Any of you who are familiar with the Asterix comics will know uh, something about Gaul. Um, or was he writing to people who may not have been ethnically Galatian, but just lived in the provinces which the Romans called Galatia? It doesn't make a huge amount of difference to the interpretation Um There are some questions about the dating of the letter, which may depend on that, especially if you're trying to square Paul's details with the details that Luke gives in the book of Acts. But from this defensive opening and the identification of God as the one that raised Jesus from the dead, we come to this next slightly strange part right after the grace, which eventually appears in verse 3. But in verse 4, Jesus is described as the one who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present age of evil. So Jesus, in Paul's mind, came as a rescuer. And what is it that Jesus came to rescue people from? Well, this present evil age. This is very typical of Jews of Paul's age, especially those who saw the world and what Is commonly known as apocalyptic terms, that the world was divided into two ages, an age where sin reigned, where corruption uh, and greed and evil ruled, Uh, a time when the good things that God had promised in the scriptures had not really taken shape in the way that perhaps later readers might have hoped. And yet there was a future age, a time to come, a time when God would resolve everything that was wrong with the world by some climactic event. Well, for many years, scholars treated uh, Paul's letters as if that great climactic event after which God would put things right was the time that Jesus returned, what's often referred to as the perusia, the second coming of Christ. But for some time now, a number of scholars, not least of all John Louis Martin and a few of his students, have argued that in fact the great climactic event which was going to divide the world into two ages was the resurrection of Jesus. Perhaps that's why Paul chooses to identify God as The one having raised Jesus from the dead, because there's something about Jesus' resurrection from the dead which points to the division of this world into two ages an age before Christ and an age, um, well, an age before Christ's death and resurrection, and an age after Christ's death and resurrection. And indeed, a little later in Galatians 2, when Paul is describing his own interaction with the risen Christ. He uses very similar language, the language he uses here in Galatians 1.4, which strongly suggests that he believed that Jesus had come in some way to begin this new age, that the risen Christ was in some way an emblem of this new age, that a new thing, a new chapter in the divine economy had begun, that new doors were opening up, that new possibilities were beginning. And Paul starts this explosive letter, a letter which, as we'll see, is all about ethnic reconciliation. A letter which is all about how life emerges from death. A letter all about how Abraham's belief in the divine promise was the one thing that God insisted on in order for people to become members of the divine family. He begins this explosive letter by identifying the fact that he was called by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. There's something about the raising of Jesus which is so central to what Paul believes about God's vision for reconciling the world to himself. And the fact that Paul says that he wasn't sent through a man And yet then goes on to say that he was sent through Jesus Christ raises all sorts of interesting questions now I don't think Paul was suggesting that Jesus Christ was a woman but perhaps he was suggesting that there was something about Jesus Christ which was more than a man indeed the fact that he then goes on to describe God the Father as the one who raised him from the dead perhaps Paul wants us to know specifically that he's speaking about the risen Christ, that it's the risen Christ who called him, and that the risen Christ is not just a man, that there was something especially powerful about this calling. And of course, although Paul never elaborates on his calling, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, does describe this enigmatic episode where Paul happened upon the risen Jesus as he traveled to Damascus on the way to interrogate and perhaps even incarcerate members of the ancient Jesus movement indeed Luke records it three times he records the actual event in Luke in Acts 9 and then again in Acts 22 and Acts 26 we have Paul reciting to various audiences what happened to him as he traveled to Damascus something happened what it was we're not exactly sure But something changed the direction of Paul's life. Suddenly it mattered that he had been called by this Jewish preacher who was crucified under the auspices of Rome and was now believed to be in some way alive again. Galatians, in many ways, is all about what it means for communities which are forming that Jesus rose from the dead. How is it that Jew and Gentile could both believe in the messiah on equal footing well paul believed it had something to do with the fact that god had acted in christ raising him from the dead and indeed that same power with which he raised jesus was now a power that would energize human beings that would transform them into a new mode of living a new way of existence a way that was almost as if they were A third race. There are times in all of our lives when there are dramatic turnarounds. Indeed, we often refer to them colloquially as our Damascus Road experiences. Times when it's almost like the scales fall from our eyes. A detail again that Luke includes in his account of Paul's calling. There are times in our lives when it's like cold water has been splashed on our face and we're forced to be real and honest about the path in front of us. Paul had spent his life harassing the fledgling Jesus movement. Now he became its chief spokesman. It's difficult to believe, uh, difficult to conceive even for us as Westerners in the 21st century, just how Dramatic a turnaround this was. And sometimes when people turn to Jesus these days, there is a dramatic turnaround. Other times, although there's no obvious dramatic turnaround, and it's not as if you've some people go from you know being having you know sort of addiction issues or coming from really dark places to discover that Jesus is the Christ others, the change is not so obviously dramatic, but internally I think it always is. There's always a dramatic turnaround. Moments in our lives when it's like the world just stands still. And at those moments, it's so important that we stop, that we look, and that we do our level best to listen. Now, as I record this reflection, the world is going into a strange sense of lockdown because of a public health scare involving a particular virus, which started in one part of the world and now has pretty much gripped all of the world. I am making no judgments and no claims about why that's happening. I'll leave that to the speculations of any of you listening. However, it's one of those moments when oftentimes it feels like the world is standing still. And in our busy and sometimes overwhelming lives, I think those moments of stillness are very important. Indeed, it's in those moments sometimes that we hear the voice of God most loudly, most clearly, and most profoundly. If you were to just stop for a moment today, what exactly would you hear from God? Where would he be calling you? If the water were splashed on your face, what exactly would you be honest about in the pathway in front of you? For Paul, it meant being all in, throwing the entire lot in, and immersing himself in the work that God had called for him. Perhaps, The same call is true for all of us. Perhaps now is as good a time as any to stop, to look and to listen.